Can we really believe the NFL? You've seen this story before. College coach has success. And the thing is, there's other options out there. They he had it. Good. He had it good. Agenda. Feels like he's forced. That's what I'm saying. He had it good. That's why he's apologizing. Charles Barkley. Mm. He's such a cool. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Threw up like 60 shots, but hey, that's Kobe. Going out with a Lakers fan from birth. Like, I was born, I had a Cowboys onesie and Lakers Panthers. Like, it was straight like that. It's not a five year deal. Five year deal. That's another thing. So, alright, I want to test the water. You give them a five year contract? You go to the Patriots where they revitalize careers. You messed that up. Bitch Rob came from this. We are back. We are back. Another episode of the Bench Mob Podcast. Um, got a lot going on for this show today. We're going to touch on some football, of course, the NBA playoffs. Uh, a lot has happened these first two days. Um, but we'll start off with the Chiefs have announced that for their home games, they're going to have 22% capacity, which is basically about 16,000 fans for their home games. Um, with COVID still going on, what's your thoughts on them allowing 16,000 people to be attending the games? I don't know if that's the best decision, just because, I mean, what are you going to do if someone is sitting there with their mask off? You're going to, like, run to everybody who doesn't have a mask on and tell them, put it put it back on, keep, keep us safe. That's going to take all day, because who's going to be able to sit there with a mask on for three hours for a football game? So I don't know if it's the smartest idea. And I think most teams have already said that they're not going to have fans this year. So the Chiefs trying to still do it, it doesn't make sense in in the sense that everybody else is following these, these strict guidelines just for this year. And you, you guys seem to want to – Try to test it a little bit. See, see what's the minimum you can do, and and allow that to happen. Because sixteen thousand people in a stadium is still a lot of people, and you still have to leave the stadium at <laughs> at a point. So those people are gonna most likely come in contact with other people. So I don't I don't know what they want and hope to get out of having twenty two thousand people. I mean, twenty two percent of their fans at the game and I wonder if this is just for opening night or is this going to be every home game from what they're renouncing they're trying to have it for all their home games it doesn't, for- make, it doesn't make any sense to do it that way it's not it, safe the other thing that it doesn't <laughs> doesn't make sense they're going to allow tailgating and mm-hmm. while the tailgating is happening they're encouraging people to wear their masks while they tailgate so let's have a COVID party outside, come inside to the stadium. Masks are supposed to be required unless they're eating or drinking. Somebody can finesse that. Like, no, I'm still eating. I'm drinking still. If people at the game, you know, they be sipping a beer. They're not just chugging it. So uh, I'm going to have my mask off. I'm sipping it. I don't don't think it's the uh, wisest thing. I see, like, the NFL to me in general, even Roger Goodell coming out, saying they're 
going pretty much no matter what try to have this season go off. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I like the tailgating. I, I was wondering that too, if they were going to still allow tailgating for all the games, if you could, even if you can't go into the stadium, can you tailgate outside and in space? I mean, that could be a thing. I wouldn't mind that either because that's another way you could socially distance because it's a, a large parking lot and you don't necessarily need to be near anybody besides the people you came with. So I think tailgating should be allowed, but I just don't think that having fans in the stadium is the best idea because no, no other sports are doing that. So why, why try to set a precedent and, and try to do something different from everybody else? Yeah, this is the wrong precedent to be saying. We'll we'll be the first to have fans. I just I don't think it's enough protection and guidelines to do so. That's going to be worth making this rip. Um I'm very intrigued to see how this NFL season pans out. Um as we, we're seeing at all the colleges and stuff, people are having the COVID outbreaks and college football is trying to figure out how to be able to still have their season. So there's a lot going on still regarding COVID, which I think is kind of just us being stubborn, being in America, where we're going to make it happen still. So, yeah. But something where we're actually, I see some progress where it's good. Step in the right direction. Took them long enough. The Washington football team, I'm still not over how they don't have a name. The Washington football team, has hired the first uh, black president in the NFL and Jason Wright. Um, they've been doing a lot this this offseason, changed the name for them to be the first team to hire a black NFL president, and he'll be the second NFL president, second uh, black president in major sports is him and Masai Jury in the NBA. What's your thoughts, uh, your takeaways from – the Washington football team making this decision. I mean, it's great for trying to move the sport along and have more diversity up top and leadership positions. But I just hope that it's not done to take all the heat off of the Redskins and what's been going on with them, with the whole name and the scandal that they had, that they were talking about like a few weeks ago with some of the players that, that used to play there. And I think it's great, though. Regardless if, it, if it's for the wrong reasons, I hope not, but to have an African-American in a leadership position in an NFL team is huge. That, that just is going to start a, a trickle-down effect, hopefully. And more teams should be able to look at these these African-American candidates and see that they are equal and they do have experience and they do have every opportunity to show you that they can do the job as well as anybody else, as well as their white counterpart. So I think that uh, this is great. This is great that the Redskins hired Jason Wright to be the team president. Hopefully we see a few more down the road because like you said, there's only been two minority like African-Americans become 
president in, in major sports. And it's not something that's happened. It's not something that they've tried to make rules to, to help it. Because I know we have the Rooney rule for coaching in the NFL, but there's no rule for who you can hire as the team president or GM or any of that stuff. So hopefully this leads to more diversity in in leadership positions in the NFL, NBA, MLB, because that's what we really want to see. We want to see change. We want to see that people are trying to change and trying to give chances to people that might have not gotten chances years ago. So I think it's great. Yeah, like you said, there's been a lot of stuff going on um, regarding them with the scandal and everything. So, yeah, it can be perceived as, you know, trying to get the attention off of these things. Um, if it was for the wrong reasons, so be it. I just hope he gets that fair shot because um, they're obviously in a rebuilding process regardless um, yeah. from top to bottom. So <laughs> I hope he gets that, um, you know, that chance to actually try to rebuild it and to do his job, especially being that he doesn't have actually any um, experience as of yet working in the front office for an NFL team. He was a former running back. Uh, before this, he was uh, he had his own financial consultant firm, so he hasn't been in the front office at all. So that's the only thing I'm concerned for is, like, you hire somebody that doesn't have experience, just keep that in mind in the process of his job, that he's not – this is not going to be the scapegoat for how their season goes in the next couple of years. Like, you guys pretty much suck pretty much before he came, so yeah. – give it time it's not gonna happen overnight um i mean most people i feel like most people who get put in these positions or any position they don't have the experience going in that's just natural you're not always going to be familiar or experienced in in what you're about to do but that's how you learn you learn on the job you learn through experience through other people who've been around it so i think just having the right people around him as far as this job goes, uh, that'll go miles for him. Hopefully it's not people the Redskins put there for him. Hopefully he's able to bring in his own guys to help him navigate this team that's been in the cellar for a few years. So that's the only thing I think if he's allowed to bring in his own people now that he's team president to help him because I mean team president you're not actually like in the middle of everything you're like the face you're the leader but like the GM is the one doing the moves and the coach is the one with the players so it's like you're just you're overseeing things and making sure things are running (laughs) running the way they should so hopefully hopefully those guys can speed up that learning process for him as far as being a team president goes. And hopefully he's there to stay. I'd, I'd hate for him to be out as team president after, you know, a couple years. That's the other thing. They don't, they don't like to give, I feel like people of color that, that leeway, that, that chance to, to learn on the job. Cause you see that with coaching, you see that with 
I mean, sometimes players, but mainly coaching and leadership positions. They, a coach might have a job for a couple years. His team's not doing well, and it's not his fault. He can't, he can't do everything. And then he's just almost fired and stuck as an assistant coach. But, like, if you see another coach, like, if you see a white coach, that he'll, he'll probably get an opportunity after, after he's fired. He might, like you saw, who was it? Adam Gase got fired last year from the Dolphins and like almost a month later had a job in the same division same division with the Jets the team that we beat we beat them all the time so we saw what type of coach he was it's and then you'll have who is it guys like Herm Edwards who I mean I don't know if he wanted an extra job in in the NFL but he was never after the Chiefs. He was never given another shot. So, hopefully, he's given he's given enough leash to have his ups, have his downs, but not not put too much emphasis on the downs. Yeah, we'll definitely be paying attention closely to this because it's the first ever. So, this is going to be interesting how they handle it, how they approach it. Uh, so, we'll be keeping our eyes on that, but transitioning into the playoffs, the playoffs, the playoffs, the playoffs, man. We're going to start off with that Denver-Utah game that went to overtime. Denver pulled it out 135 to 125. Um, Some of my takeaways from it, Donovan Mitchell with the 57 points. That's the second most since MJ with the 63 against the Celtics. Um, The Jazz – should have and could have won that game. That eight-second call was, for lack of a better word, is just boneheaded. Like, how did that happen as professionals? The eight-second call, something that simple. And um, just to be able to see down that stretch, the Nuggets just locked in. It was a two-man game, and they couldn't stop it. It was Jokic and Murray, literally, pick and roll, pick and pop, and it could not be stopped. They're playing like that. Like I said before, I think they're a dark horse. If they could have Murray playing like that down the stretch, Jokic's doing his thing. And then when you get Michael Porter Jr. helping out and you get the key minutes from Morris coming off the bench, um, they're a dark horse for sure. What was your uh, takeaways from it? That the Jazz just don't have enough, enough depth right now to compete with the Nuggets because they – I thought they were going to win the game, honestly. But that eight-second call was huge. Um, and, yeah, the Nuggets, Jamal Murray, he shows that he shows up in the playoffs because his stats show that from, from past years. But the Nuggets were able to withstand those runs and come back towards the end of – the fourth quarter and then just took over in overtime. It was just because it was just really the Donovan Mitchell show for Utah going against the Jazz because if anybody's scoring that many points, that means <laughs> there's guys on the floor not really doing much. And that's just how it is. I mean, I don't, I don't blame Donovan for going off like that. He had to. You're missing, he had- you're, you're missing Bogdanovich. You're missing Mike Conley. Mike Conley. I mean, Rudy Gobert is not the most offensive guy. I mean, Jordan Clarkson comes off the bench, so he's not really 
supposed to be in there late. And, I mean, Donovan's the guy. So this is what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to take over games the way he did. But I don't know if he could keep doing this for a whole series and help help them beat the Nuggets. Because the Nuggets have too many guys that they can sub in and out. Like Jokic, Mason Plumlee, they got Murray. I don't know if Will Barton is playing, but if they had him, that would <laughs> this series. That's another, yeah, he's, that's injured. Another thing. he's injured. I think I think they say he might be able to if they make a deep player run. I think he'll be able to come back. But just looking at it, they still they got Paul Millsap on the Nuggets still. Michael Porter Jr., Craig, who was playing defense, um, Plumlee. I think they need to really honestly keep it at an eight man rotation too. Because the nine-man rotation, I don't get. I think it takes away from giving them the opportunity really to get busy um, and really to have their players really show out. Because you got a nine-man rotation in the playoffs, that's hard. It worked out because of the overtime game, but four quarters, that's not going to work. You think Conley is supposed to be back probably by game three? You think that makes that much of an impact that they'll be able to pull out the series though? Mm. I don't know because he's been playing like up and down this whole season, but he might. I think he might have played a little better in the bubble, but now he left. So there's that factor where he's. I don't know if he's working out. Hopefully he's working out while he's not here, trying to stay in shape. So when he he's able to come back, they don't have to limit his minutes because they're gonna need everybody that they they can put out there. And they traded for Mike Conley to to help them in these moments too. So he's, I mean, he's not right. He's not here. It's not his fault. But it is a it is a blow not having a guy like that on the court because it got to a point where you're just wondering who who do, who do they put in next? Who has experience? Because a lot of the guys that they have on their team don't really have that experience. They're young guys like. Uh, who is it? Tony, the big man, Tony Bradley. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's coming in for Rudy Gobert, but I don't know if I really trust him out there. Big minutes each game. He was only averaging like maybe 10 minutes a game. If that. Yeah. Looking at the roster, Joe Ingles did what Joe Ingles did. He gave 19, six and five. Can't really ask for more coming from that, but Moutier, he had 10 minutes, didn't really do anything in those 10 minutes, but I think Mike Conley comes back. I think he'll play maybe better. He just had a child, so that's a weight lifted off of you. Um, I don't think it's going to be enough, though, to win the series just because how Denver is stacked, and that two-man game really, really doesn't look stopped. Like, you can't stop it, and then when you got a Michael Porter Jr., now you're talking about they might have a big three. They might have a big three going into the future with those three pieces right there. If you could get Michael Porter Jr. playing consistently, only thing with him, you had they, you saw they had to sell him out defensively. That's what they was attacking. Switch, let's get one on one with Michael Porter Jr. Um, recapping some of the other games, Raptors won. No need to even talk about. It. We expected that blowout, four point win. Celtics won. Kind of expected that. Only thing I ask about that: Do you think if 
the Philadelphia 76ers, even though they have injuries, do you see Brett Brown, this is he's coaching for his job this series, or are they gonna give him one more year? I don't know. I would you'd have to can him after this year. I, I would I don't know. It's not his fault that they have injuries, but they weren't really playing well before this to start the bubble when they had Ben Simmons and all the, the whole squad. So he hasn't really given any confidence that at some point the light will click and they'll get up and running. Cause this is a team that should be making conference finals and finals runs the way it's set up. But now they're going to have to battle to get out of the first round. And I think it does help that Gordon Hayward, he's probably not going to play the rest of the series. So uh, that's, that's a big loss. That's a big loss for Boston. But Philly, they can't just rely on Embiid. Like, they need a lot of Tobias Harris. They need a lot of Josh Richardson. Because Tatum and Jalen Brown, they can't really be stopped right now by anybody that's on <laughs> Philly. Nope. On Philly. They try to put Thibault on Brown but and, and Tatum, but they're just they're just better athletes. They got better moves. So it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough, especially having to put such a heavy load on Embiid too. Cause now he's gotta take a lot of shots. He's gotta bang down there in the post and and I don't know. He I don't know if he could do that for a whole series. That's where, again, the constant question with Embiid is health and stamina. This is a series where you're looking at the roster, Celtics aren't really a big team. For them to have a chance, I'm hearing a lot of people say it, and I completely agree. Embiid needs to average like 35 points this series, 35 and like 15 every game to give them – they only lost by eight, but to give them an actual chance really – and B got A and B got to do that. And if he's averaging that, I think that's where the double teams come. You get open shots. You just got to knock them down. They're role players, Tobias Harris and them. Um, speaking of that, that coaching carousel now, Alvin Gentry got fired. How do you see it's a, it's a lot of openings coming up into this offseason? Who do you think would be like a fit for that Pelican squad? You know, you got Jeff Van Gundy still out there, Mark Jackson, um, Jason Kidd's in the conversation, Sam Cassell's in the conversation. Who do you think might be a good fit for that Pelican squad? I mean, for all these young teams that need coaches that are good with development, they're going to need a coach like that. So I would say Kenny. I would, I would go with Kenny Atkinson, who – he did a great job with the Nets, brought them back from the basement. Yeah, well, he was able to turn all these pieces into valuable ones because Dinwiddie was, I mean, he was a journeyman until he got to the Nets. Now he's he's a really good extra piece to have on a team. D'Angelo was struggling before he got to the Nets, and now he's he's a max player guy now. Um, so hopefully he could, that's where you need coaches like that, bringing their coaching staff and, and work with players. Cause 
I know they want people to give up on Lonzo and have him get shipped out, but I think a, a developmental coach that will take the time and knows that he's still young with so much, you know, so much talent. Let me let me see if I could fix this. That's who I would. That's who I would have for for the Pelicans because I don't know if a big name coach would do them any wonders because if you bring in a big name coach, that means you're trying to you know go for it. You're trying to win right now. Expectations now. You bring yeah. a that's coming with some expectations. Um, I think the, for them, they just got to be realistic in their process. If they thinking that they, like you said, they're shooting for it now, hey, we want to be a top four or five team. I think you want to get a couple more pieces. And yeah, then maybe you get a big time coach. But how the roster is built, I think they still got a lot of, like you said, development before the Pelicans, you know, take that next leap. I'd see a, a, a Phoenix Suns. The, the Phoenix Suns, I see them being more of a, a take that next leap next year. Than the, I think they're still a little far away. But, again, I could be wrong. It all depends on how Zion comes back next year. And Lonzo, I think that's the two big – we know who Drew Holiday is. We know who Bernie Ingram is at this point. Mm-hmm. On those two, those two pieces, depending on how they come back, how they gel, if Lonzo takes his shooting up to another level, that's where, hey, now we can discuss playoffs, but I don't, I don't see how it's currently constructed. It'll turn out that way. Mm-hmm. Another game came up that we have to talk about that I definitely um, didn't think it would be this close. Uh, the Clippers and the Mavs, very controversial call that happened in there. What's your uh, takeaways from this Clippers-Mavs game? Well, the the Clippers were having trouble with the Mavs to start the game. They were – well, maybe not to start the game, but as the game went on, the, <laughs> the Mavs just couldn't miss from three. And – I don't know. The Clippers had their run to start the game and just went cold. But then I think the game really took a turn once they tossed Porzingis for that, you know, it's the playoffs. Just let it, let it go. That wasn't that serious of a, of an offense to, to get a technical for that. You should already, you should already know that he doesn't, have any more technicals to give in the game. So why, if I give him this one, then he's out of the game. And was it really that that tough of a play to to throw him out for that? I don't know. I don't think so. And I mean, I think most people agree. Regarding that, he got to be smarter than that. You know, like, Morris, Morris, Beverly, play like they, they know. The Clippers know, oh, he got one more tech. They know. That's why they were celebrating when that joint got out. I'm going to push every button to see if we get you that second tech. After that, that third quarter, they scored 13 points in the third quarter after scoring plus 30 in the first two quarters. That was, hey, Morris, you get a little bonus. This is why you you came. You, you came to bring the toughness and to be another irritant like Patrick Beverly. So, I think you just just because how valued you are to your team, you can't even he even said it. I got to control my emotions better because 
Let me ask you this. Is Porzingis plays the rest of the game? Do you think the Mavs sneak away with that at first game? Possibly. It was definitely looking like that for the whole game until they threw him out. Because, I mean, they don't really have anybody to D Porzingis who can shoot a three and drive to the cup. So who is going to stop him? going forward. I don't know. Because Luca after a while just had to just go full Luca mode and just take over. But it's tough when your team's built around these two guys and you lose that one. So now kind of puts you at a, a big disadvantage as far yeah. as as shooting goes. Cause I mean they have a couple other guys that can do stuff like that, but I mean they don't have anybody like Porzingis other than Porzingis. So that's why that was such a, a huge loss. And he's been playing hot too. So he carried that over and maybe he plays like that again and, and doesn't get thrown out. We'll see what happens in game two. And they might come out with the win if that happens. Cause like I said, they don't really, they don't have anybody to stop Porzingis down low or at the three point line. Plus he's one of the few players that you're going to get 20 plus probably 10, 11 boards, and he gives you two, three blocks a game. Mm-hmm. So that's something huge also on the defensive end as a rim protector for them. Um, shout out to Luca though. Luca most points for a uh, playoff debut with 42. Um, and shout out to Rick Carlisle. He was reading um, after the game in his interview events from the Equal Justice Initiative calendar. So – He's been one of the coaches also, one of the people that's been making sure that we keep the focus on the Black Lives Matter movement and the injustices going on and equality. So shout out to Rick Carlisle being an ally. Uh, The next game, I have to apologize. I should have known better. Uh, The Orlando Magic pulled out game one. They do this, they did this last year and then get swept, but I said they was going to get swept. So Orlando, I apologize. Y'all uh, pulled out that first win. What's your concern level for Milwaukee with this loss? One yeah. to ten, how concerned are you about it? One to ten, probably like a three or four. Because this is just – this is probably the best thing that could have happened, just a little wake-up call to let them know that, you know, the playoffs did start. We can we can start playing now, but um, they should not be getting blown out by the Magic one. You also realize how big that home court comes into play because there's no home court for anybody, so it's just like a regular regular game. Regular game. So you don't have to worry about the crowd getting into it if the Bucks make a run. That's not going to happen because there's nobody in there. Um, and the Magic just had, like, a balanced attack in that game compared to the Bucks, who, I mean, it was really Giannis or Bust for the majority of the game. And I don't know. that We've seen this movie before in the playoffs, and it doesn't, it doesn't work if it's just him really doing everything. You need Middleton. You need Bledsoe. You need Brooke Lopez. You need everybody to help him because – it's not like he's Steph Curry. He's not going to – he's not Harden. He's not pulling up from three. He's really putting his head down and <laughs> going to the cup most of the time. 
So it was a bad loss, clearly. And I don't know. I I know betting wise, I I was telling people to take the magic with the points yesterday, just because I didn't think that the Bucks would cover twelve and a half points. Just because it's the playoffs, I know that these games are usually a lot closer. Besides that Raptors game, I knew that was going to be a blowout. But um, yeah, the the, Ra- the Raptors look locked in like they know it's the playoffs. Um, I'm not really that concerned, just because one stat to throw out there, which was huge: 18 for 28 from the free throw line for Milwaukee, 64 percent. You lose by. 11, 12, you lose by 12, and you miss 10 free throws, make half of those. Now we're talking about a different game, knocking out some shots, talking about a different game. Vucevic killed them 35 and 14 inside, outside, just was killing them. The thing that's concerning, only thing that is concerning, they're depleted. They don't even have – Aaron Gordon didn't even play yesterday. They're missing a couple other pieces with Mo Bamba. Like you, it's the playoffs, man. Wait, there should be a, a series four zip. It should have been handled from day one. As you mentioned, ain't nobody else really show up. Nobody else really. George Hill had a decent game. Um, Middleton didn't really show up. I saw a lot of people saying like Middleton is a regular player. Stop talking to me about Middleton being an all-star. And I think regardless, I already picked that they're out second round. I don't think they have enough. I don't think they have that other star for Giannis. And as you see in a lot of these teams, it's star power. You have Giannis and then who else? Who else on that team really makes defenses fear like, oh, Clippers, Paul George, Kawhi. You got Lakers, LeBron, AD, all these teams, Mavs, Luka, KP, Murray, Jokic. Who's that? Giannis Middleton? Out of the the tandems, out of the contending teams, that's the least scary, least threatening tandem right there. And Middleton's supposed to be a three-point shooter, goes two for six. I already got them losing in the second round. Um, I'm sure they'll sweep them after this and win the four games, but this is your MVP. This is your MVP. This, this is your MVP. It's also Other- tough to game plan for a team with a lot of injuries too because now you're going to have people that you weren't necessarily worried about having to play now. So now you're worried about – some of the bench guys who have to play more minutes. But you're like, I didn't know he could shoot from three. I didn't know he could <laughs> put it on the on the floor and drive to the cup. I think that's where you kind of you, – you lose because of that. Because you have these guys who you don't know coming out here and surprising you. Because, I mean, they're all in the NBA, so that means they're there for a reason. They can They can play a little bit. So given the chance, which most of these guys won't get if Aaron Gordon's there, if Mo Bamba's there, they they want to show out. So, I mean, Fultz had a good game. Um, Augustine had a pretty good game Augustine. off the beat. 
And he was key in them winning last year against the Raptors in the first round. So we'll see. I don't know if they'll win another game, but this is a good start. And it puts a lot of pressure on the Bucks now to, to come out and win game two. Yeah, the magic basically is that uh that that you know that fourteenth, that nine seed in the March Madness that every year they go on shock the world, have an upset game, you know they're gonna play hard, and then after that they disappear. Yeah. That's the magic. I don't think they have enough firepower. If Aaron Gordon was there, if you added a Mo Bamba, if you had them there. I might maybe they might be able to get another game, but I don't think they have enough weapons there. Uh, Heat beat the Pacers, probably one of the most uh, so far in the playoffs, one of the most boring games. Uh, Jimmy Butler did the thing, twenty eight points, one thirteen, one on one. Speaking of though, just made me think about it. So when we looking at the Bucks though, they meet up with Miami. I think they'll lose that second round. If they don't get to the finals, do you see Giannis staying with Milwaukee? Um, I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't seem like the type to leave. But at the same time, you don't know what people are thinking. Because I didn't know KD would leave when he left. I didn't know Brown was that serious about leaving when he left. But it gets to a point where he's still young. So some of these decisions he can make later on in his career, but now it's about how do I want to be remembered? That's why AD made the change. He wanted to be remembered as someone in the playoffs making runs towards the championship, not someone who loses in the first round to the Warriors every every year. So I think Giannis, there's always that opportunity to leave. And it's always open because unless they sign a, an extension, before they're a free agent, that's that's what's in the back of your mind. You're just thinking like, wow, what can we do to help make him stay? And now he's just looking around the league, evaluating all these teams that have an opening for someone like him. Like, say, the Heat. The Heat definitely have space for him. There's other teams out there, but we could talk about that on a different show. But Giannis... I'd say just like anything, it's a 50-50 chance that he leaves. And it all depends on how they do in the playoffs these next couple of years before he hits free agency. Because, I mean, if you're not winning, if you're not making any finals runs, like they need at least one finals run before he's a free agent for him not to strongly consider leaving. They're not getting that, so I don't uh, – I see him leave. Just I mean, they made the conference finals last year, so they – they should have a chance, but it I'll all comes you. down to what? Yeah, Miami's getting them out of there. <laughs> they not – if I'm looking at – I'm honest, I'm looking at it. Y'all added, what, another Lopez brother during the uh, offseason? That's Most what – that, <laughs> That's the help y'all gave me? That, that's – we all right. So, we didn't win last year. We'll come back with the same team, add a couple other pieces. Nah, I think he's out. Um, I'm going to continue my apology tour. I saw OKC winning. OKC did not win. Houston pulls out in 123-108. Some big takeaways. 42 bench points for the Rockets, which is huge coming for them. 
they only had seven turnovers with a team that gets as many possessions, running up and down the court, trying to score as soon as possible. Only seven turnovers, they protected the ball. When they protect the ball, it's kind of hard to beat them. Um, okay, so he only had two fast break points. With all, with all those guards, those athletic guards, the athletic team they had outside of obviously like CP3, who isn't considered super athletic, two fast break points. What's your um, – do you see them being able to turn this around or is Houston – here on out. I think they can. I think that them having more size than the Rockets, they need to use that to their advantage and to wear them down more than trying to play that up and down style that the, the Rockets play because nobody can do that. Nobody can do nah. what Harden Nobody's doing what Harden does where just that ISO for like 20 seconds, then you drive past the guy, draw the foul. I almost like I, I think lulls teams to sleep with like how many times he's dribbling and how many moves he has to do to get to the cup. And if he draws a foul, that's that could be like three minutes before you have the ball back again. So <laughs> kind of Yeah, it's tough. It's it's gonna be a tough one to come back from, especially depending when they get Westbrook back. Because they blew them out without Westbrook, which I didn't think would happen. I thought that they might lose this first game, maybe the second game too, and and then Harden would have to try to go full full beard on them. But he didn't really have to. He he had like a, a calm thirty seven in that first game. It was light. Too efficient too. Yeah, real efficient. So if he could play like this, that's the Harden that they need. They don't need that Harden. ISO ball shooting deep threes when he's not hitting them. They need him to to just play within the offense and get yours when you can, which he could get his at any point. But now try to get everybody else involved, and that makes you even harder to play. Because if you get guys like Eric Gordon going, like he was going, he was going the other day. He was playing well, and that's what they need because he's been hurt all year. So now that's almost. That's an extra piece you're getting that getting back from injury. And what other guys do they have? Austin Rivers, if he can play well, which he's been playing well without Westbrook there. So he can be another piece to to take a little pressure off of Harden until Westbrook comes back, which I don't know if we heard how his leg is, but I'm just hoping that it's not something that's going to keep him out too long. Because if Westbrook's here, seeing what happened in game one, I don't know. I think that they might they might take this series. I might have to switch my pick. Because originally I had OKC. But now watching that, without without Westbrook? Yeah. I might have to switch my pick too. Because if – they playing like this, not they knocked down twenty threes. You got PJ Tucker contributing, Jeff Green contributing, Macklemore been Macklemore like, and there's no Russ. Only thing that's gonna happen when Russ comes back, it's gonna be able to take that pressure off where it's not Harden just doing all the ball handling. It's game over then if Russ comes, <laughs> and if they play like this, if they're on a roll like this, you feel me? 
you might then just rest Russ for this series. Because if they could get out of this, if they could win this series and Russ don't have to play and Russ gets to rest and be ready for that next series, which we don't, we're thinking it might be LA, a healthy Russ, they need, you know, all guns are blazing that next round. So if they could rest him, that would be great. OKC did their part on the rebounds. They out-rebounded them. 58 rebounds to around like 36 or something like that. Um, but they didn't really convert on these rebounds. As they should. They should out-rebound them because most of the time they're running nobody bigger than 6'8 on, on the court. And that's mainly because they got rid of all their big men. That's, that's just a fact. Um, and they want to play this small – small ball game where everybody can really shoot on the court. It's a, it's a different concept than we, than we've seen. I mean, we've seen people go small ball, but not for whole games stretches besides the Warriors. So I, I don't know if they're taking a little page out of the Warriors book, book but it worked. It worked in game one. So let's see what happens um, in game two. I'm sure they'll say that the Warriors took it out of their book. Uh, being how Darren Morey has been trying to – the mad scientist has been trying to get the team to be like this mm-hmm. for a couple of years now. Uh, huh. um, this next game, um, LA, L.A. Portland. Portland pulls it out 100 to 93. Um, I'm going to let you start this one off because I got, I, got, I got something to say about this game. Mm. So, one, I'm going to just start off and say that this is a bad loss for L.A. to start off the playoffs. They're not the Bucks, where they're just one-dimensional around Giannis. It's either you run right through my chest or you shoot a three. That's not how the, the Lakers are. They got LeBron, A.D., but then it kind of gets slim after those two. Because Kuzma wasn't hitting his shot yesterday. So if Kuz isn't hitting, who are you going to? Because I don't trust Danny Green. I don't <laughs> I don't trust KCP to make 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 comebacks in the game. So it's like you can't play LeBron 48 minutes. You can't play AD 48 minutes. Especially if you expect to make any type of noise in the playoffs. They got a, I don't know. This this is not your typical eight seed. That's the main thing. Like, this is a team that made the conference final last year. And now you got to play. You got to figure out a way to get through it. That's, that's what happens in the playoffs. You might not have your best stuff one game or a series, but you just got to figure out how you can get through it and just worry about each game as it comes. You got to get a win every time you play. Because it's either – you almost got to treat it like it's win or go home. Because if you don't win a series, you're going home. You're leaving the bubble. And there's not enough things you could say about Dame. that <laughs> he's, just, he's just different. You almost wish that the Lakers would have gone after him instead of AD on at a point because if you can get somebody like that to score opposite LeBron, that would have been nasty. We saw what happened with Kyrie, but yeah, Dame, 
Dame showed up in the, the third quarter. I mean, the fourth quarter. Lakers couldn't make too much noise to come back. They made it close at the end, but it's just <laughs> the, the Trailblazers are ready. They came ready to play, and they got enough pieces, and they're healthy now. So this is not going to be a cakewalk for the Lakers. It's not <laughs> – they might go down 2-0 if they don't wake up for game two. That's real. Um, I'm going to start off with Portland. Dame did his thing 34. We expected that. Fourth quarter showed up. Third quarter really wasn't there. Fourth quarter showed up game time. Know that. Mello, again, clutch buckets. The apology tour needs to happen next year, for sure. Clutch buckets. Only had 11, but when they needed them, knocked down a huge three. Gary Trent Jr. talking about being stacked. Didn't really have a good game. Knocked down a huge three. Whiteside, five blocks. They, I think they got to keep him just off of that strength alone. To come off the bench, give you seven, five, and eight, five blocks, he changed the game in that regard. He outplayed the big men for L.A. Five blocks, blocked LeBron a couple times, huge blocks. Portland scored only 100 points. Check this stat out. That's the least amount of points Portland scored and one. So Portland didn't even really play their best ball and was able to pull out a game, which kind of puts my concern level around like a five. That's not going to happen again where they only have 100. It is not going to happen again. You're not going to have Gary Trent that off. Dame showed up in the fourth quarter, but 921, 9 for 21, that's not going to happen again. 8 for 20. Out of CJ, I don't think that's going to happen again, even with the injury. The Lakers mentioned maybe they should have got Dame instead of AD. 21 points in the first half to end up with only 28. 21 first half points to end up with 28. AD. He needs to be calling for it. He needs to be calling for the ball more. I don't know what happened in the second half, but (laughs) – he needs the ball. He's I, I don't want to say he's the guy over LeBron, but in a sense he is because LeBron, LeBron's clearly deferring to him a lot more now the older he gets. So it's your – I don't want to say it's your team either, but you need to be able to carry this team as far as it can go because you're most of the times the most talent, most talented guy on the court a 6'11 guy who can handle it, shoot threes and drive to the cup. You need the ball. So <laughs> you better call for it next game. You better have like 40 in game two. That's the thing. He, it was too many jump shots last night. And I think he often settles for that to have the rookie, his first start. My man um, had great minutes. William Gabriel. Yeah. I'm saying that. Oh, yeah, he should have. You start off with 21 points and a half. You should go for 40 tonight. No. Uh, and it's too many, too many jump shots. I think in this series right here, he should be able to get in the post. I think five three-pointer is too many attempts. Not this series, especially if it's not going for you. Nah. I need you in the post, more aggressive. I was not – I don't know, bro. 
this this is what it seems like with Anthony Davis even going back to New Orleans days. Seems to me, I could be wrong. He likes to settle a lot for jumpers. Or he likes to fade away. When you got some of these, they can't mess. They shouldn't be able to mess with you. Shouldn't be able to affect it. That's one thing with the Lakers. Anthony Davis need to step up more. Frank Vogel, I said this before the playoffs. What's up with the the mag the lineups, man? Deion Waiters gets one minute. Jr. See the court at all. Alex Caruso, now when Rondo comes back, that should be a help. Alex Caruso plays 30 minutes. Kyle Kuzma plays 30 minutes and is off. This is what we're doing now? Why did we sign him? Why did the Lakers sign him to not – you put Deion Waiters in at the end of the second quarter for a minute, 26 seconds. Why did you sign him? These are supposed to be instant offense. These are professional scorers. Hey, I'm ready whenever, coach. Put me in. I can go get a bucket. JR has played with LeBron. Is battle tested. Danny Green. Still, I think the Lakers, how they shot last night. 15, 15% from the three-point line. They the reason probably why the rim was crooked and they had to fix it last night. All those bricks, 5-32 as a team. We know LeBron teams, you need jump shooters around them. If they're not knocking down shots, you have a J.R. Smith, a Deion Waiters on the bench. Why aren't you on the plate? And Danny Green doesn't seem like his feet can work to guard C.J. or Dane. So you're here supposed to be our 3 and D guy. You're not doing either, really. I'm, I'm super confused. I, You gave Portland a team that's hot right now confidence even more I'm thinking this series the legs will get it popping and they game two if they don't win and win convincingly this is going to seven games and Portland could probably get it out that I just don't think Frank Vogel knows what he's doing in regards to the the lineups, I wasn't, you know, excited when they hired him. Well, that's why Jason Kidd's the assistant. So if they have to fire him, they already got the the next head coach is right there. They got the replacement right there. Um, yeah, man. My, I was – these are my takeaways from the game. I don't – and we're – I'm lost at words, bro. I mean, shout yeah. out Portland, though, because they – they they came to play. They they came to play since the bubble started. Yeah, the, the carried it over. The Lakers just seemed um, even from the beginning of the game. It took took them what the middle of the second quarter to wake up. Mm-hmm. Like Portland is thirty six points in that first quarter. They came ready off the rip, more energy. And the, the thing is. I'm not even going to have that conversation that a lot of people are trying to have. LeBron isn't going – he's not going – he's not the type 
to go get you that 40 points. But he might have to be now because he did it that one year with the 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 Cavs. I think that was his last year with the Cavs. He just had to put his team on the back. But that was because there was nobody else there. He has AD. Exactly. What do we have? He shouldn't have to do that. But last night it looked it looked like some of those Cavs teams, honestly. It really looked like some of those Cavs teams. Danny Green going two for eight. Caldwell Pope. 0 for, 0 for 9, one point in the whole game. That's that's how you lose. All those missed shots turn into lost possessions. So, Alex Caruso, I'm still baffled. 29 minutes, one for six, two points. No, what baffled me was him taking that shot at the end where yeah, he's right up under you, and it was a three, and he's like off balance taking it too. That made no sense. I was just sitting there. I'm like, why is Caruso taking this shot? Why was he in the game? I know those crunch time minutes. I get it. Maybe to try to help guard Dame and CJ, but play JR, play Deion Waiters. This is not the series to be playing around like, oh, well, let's figure out the lineups. If you're not performing this series, we signed him for a reason. Y'all got to go, who's going to perform for me? Who's going to knock down shots? Because they got the open shots. LeBron was doing his thing penetrating. He had this first time in NBA history, somebody had 20-plus points, 15-plus assists, 15-plus rebounds. 2015 and 15, he had 23, 16, and 17. He had an okay game. He didn't dominate either. He missed a lot of chippies. I'm I'm going to predict next game we're going to see LeBron more of a 28-12-12 type game, efficient. Everybody say Kuz is the X factor, which you can say, but AD, I think, is more of an X factor, especially this series. You can't go disappearing. It's not New Orleans. You can't disappear, bro. You came here, and you're in the lineage of Shaq, Will. George Mike it. You came here, you 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 had to perform. You're here to perform, bro. Yo, so so important question. If uh if the Lakers lose first round, is AD coming back? <laughs> I don't I don't think they sign him back. I don't think they should. What? I think Would you give up half of your young talent for a guy for one year? I think that was a dumb – I said that from the rip. That was a lot that they gave up for him. And this is why – this is exactly what I'm saying. We – they gave up a lot to get AD. And you only gives us 28 and 11, seven points in the uh, second half. This is – they traded a whole team, basically, to get him to come. I don't – from how it's looking, if he continues to play like this, maybe that's not the right match to go with LeBron. Yeah, but then if not him, then who? Because at this point, you can't keep trying out different players each year because that, that's just another year LeBron gets older and another year closer to retirement eventually. But I think I think the AD pairing can work. It's just a matter of a, a balance between the two. The thing with it, if you play like last night, 
it's not like he's great regular season, but playoffs, even New Orleans, like he put up numbers, but as we said, it was always first round exits, nothing, nothing major where he was able to lead the team. And that's where it's a, he's not, we saying, you know, it's supposed to be your team, but if we're looking at New Orleans, maybe he's not, you know, built to be that number one, the leader of a team. And LeBron is not, he's playing good year 17, but he's not LeBron back in Cleveland and Miami where it's like, all right, cool. You could be my bat. You could be my Robin. I'll be Batman. He's obviously with how he was trying to set him up. Obviously he's trying to put AD like you, you're the Batman. This mm-hmm. is your, just like D-Wade told LeBron that in Miami, yo, this is your team. Go off. LeBron's setting the table for him to do that. And if he can't do that, I don't know, man. In the playoffs, regular season, that's cool. We expect that. Lakers are expected to be top four seed this year. Playoffs is when it matters. And in that Lakers pedigree, it's a, it's a heavy – it's not New Orleans, bro. This is a Lakers built on winning. And you're coming under a lot of great big men that have played for the Lakers. Next year, maybe, you know, like you say, because you traded so much, you keep them. But some of these shooters, you got to get rid of them. Son got it. It's not enough. It's not enough with this, how this roster is kind of built currently is not enough. And they get out of this series. I don't see them with how they're playing right now. And just looking at the roster. Danny Green, his whole – since the NBA restart, has been abysmal. And this has been his career, though, really, if you think about it, from back in San, San Antonio. Breaks the record for three-pointers in the finals, but then the next game can literally go 0 for 15. So this has been his career in, in general. I don't know who you would put there, but – They got JR. They got JR right there, and he should be playing more minutes now than Danny Green because Danny Green's out there for defense and threes and every time I see him shoot he doesn't make any threes so (laughs) what good are you doing out there when you have a a sniper who's been a sniper his whole career on the bench proven who plays with LeBron he's played with LeBron for years they got the chemistry Danny Green is his first year I mean, maybe third year playing with LeBron, but it's been some time since he played with him. So they don't really have that that chemistry. And you, this is the playoffs. You got to make moves now. You can't let guys who aren't hitting keep going out there and and keep shooting the ball because that's just taking possessions away from you. And that, in the long run, hurts in a game. This is where I put it on – I put – Outside of AD not playing well, I put it on really the, that loss on Frank Vogel. Yeah, Frank Vogel. I put that on Frank Vogel. Um, we saw in Indiana he wasn't able to get over that hump. I put this on Frank Vogel. I don't think he's the right coach. Um, I said this at the beginning of the season when they hired him. Out of all the people that was out there for options, you got Frank Vogel. I don't – he's not proven. Um, he hasn't been a winning coach. And when you come into the playoffs, it's, it's a chess game. It's all about adjustments. What do you what adjustments do you make? And it's adjustments on the fly. All right, we're going to make this play. We're going to double dame at half court. What a, 
the adjustments is what's needed when it comes to the playoffs. And if they get out this round, and even if they get out that second round somehow, I don't – I was confident before just being somewhat biased, obviously. But looking at it, they meet up with the Clippers. I think they'll lose strictly on being out coach. Doc Rivers, I think, is a hands-down better coach than Frank Vogel. But that's just how it is. That's how I see it. It's been a very exciting first two first two days of the playoffs. Got some of the game two uh, games coming on today. Um, but we'll be looking forward to those. We'll be talking about those again. Um, once those are done. Well, what games are you looking forward to that are coming up? Today for Wednesday, I'm looking at that Philly-Boston game on Interested to see if Philly could capitalize on Gordon Hayward being out um, and be able to sneak away a win. Um, of course, to see how Dallas plays, see if Porzingis plays that whole game. I think it's dope, though, by the way. This is like NBA nirvana. You're getting basketball literally from like 1 o'clock in the afternoon till the end of the day. Of course, you know you got work and stuff, but if you're able to watch those – I think it's like NBA Nirvana, bruh. Thursday, of course, you're looking at OKC, Lakers game, but. That's why it's kind of like the the tournament. Like, it's almost like a tournament style because you have like four games a day, which normally, I don't know if we, I mean, maybe in the first round you get that, but it feels more enhanced because it's all in one place. It's not like you have to. One game's in Toronto. The next game's in Denver. All these games are in Orlando, neutral site. Gives you that <laughs> that NCAA tournament feel, just minus the fans or or live fans, that is. But I know that doesn't really affect anybody. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to all these games coming up today. Probably yeah. most, yeah, like you said, that Celtics 76ers game, that looks like the most promising game. But Mavericks clip, clips too, that could be another one because like, like the first game, Mavericks were, they came out slow and then just heated up and Clippers couldn't stop them until they tossed Porzingis. So now just hopefully cooler heads prevail and, we get to see a full game of each team's full potential because Mavericks, I, I, I was saying this before, Mavericks, they got a good squad. They could win a couple games in the series. And it sucks because that one of those couple games should have been game one, honestly. They played good enough to win until they were put at a disadvantage. But it happens. Well, that concludes this episode of the Bench Mob Podcast. Make sure y'all say, make sure y'all stay safe out there. Um, we'll be back. Make sure you subscribe, like, comment, all that good stuff. But Bench Mob, we out. Peace.